Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Far Out Wisdom Podcast. And I hope that everybody's having a wonderful day. And remember to breathe and relax. I know that everybody, it's like everybody's like freaking out at the moment, but rest assured that if you keep yourself under control, everything's going to be all right. So, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the Afghanistan war. So the reason why that I'm talking about the Afghanistan war is because of the fact that it's going it's a 40-year conflict in that country. The reason that I want to talk about this this particular country is the fact that it's stuck in a civil war for the last 40 years. So before I begin, I want I want to introduce uh the Far Out Wisdom podcast sponsor, um Rebecca Igen from shadowdance.com. Rebecca Eijen, an astrologer for 25 plus years, specializes in relationships from everyday decisions to critical life altering moments. Rebecca shares with you her practical wisdom and guidance for your life's journey and becoming who you are meant to be. Using young in psychology, Rebecca guides you to see the potential that hides in your hidden self, your shadow. Sign up for your shadow work and seventh house webinar or have a private consultation and find out how the universe has always had your back. You just didn't know it. And I had her on foul to pretty much give like my star chart and, and kind of provide you guys a little bit of information about myself. And trust me, she will guide you and she will give you like she'll know you just by looking at your chart. And I really recommend you guys go to her and receive a consultation, especially if you're single, to talk about your relationship and stuff like that and why you're having trouble finding people on Tinder or even Grindr. Mm. So anyways, I hope that you guys check it out. So make sure when you guys go to her, when you guys go to like the main website, you guys will see at the bottom to receive consultation. Say that Boone Him from the Fire Art Wisdom podcast sent you there. So, you know, do what you got to do. So I really recommend it and check out her website at shadowdance.com. So this, like I said earlier, uh, I really hope that this kind of opened everybody's eyes who's listening to this at the moment who kind of raging about civil war and stuff like that especially in american politics especially what happened on january 6 2021 when the constitutional process of certifying the president was interrupted uh by right-wing mob so yeah i mean i, I don't really think that people are thinking about what they're saying uh, this is coming from a person or an individual that had family members who fled civil war, the Gabon civil war, where a dictator, a communist dictator destroyed Cambodia and my parents had to flee their country to the United States of America. And with that, they pass on trauma to their offspring. Because I really want you guys to really, really, really think about what you're saying when you say civil war, civil war. Because you are probably angry at what's going on with the political sphere, but your offspring will suffer the consequences. So think about what you're really saying. As always, guys, stay far out. Bye.
I had somebody to come talk to me about this, but um, I decided to do this solo because of the fact that it's really close to home, uh, especially with my family who fled the Cambodian Civil War when the Khmer Rouge practically destroyed the country. And I chose this topic because a lot of Americans don't really understand the concept of a civil war. I mean, the last civil war that we had was the American American Civil War that happened in the 1800s and practically half the country was fucking destroyed because of each other. It was something that they disagree with. And um, not many people are really understanding what they're talking about, especially when it comes to Americans. And I always say that Americans are just spoiled brats that really don't understand the concept of a civil war anyways. And they don't really get the fact that trauma can be passed on from offspring to offspring or or generation. So I'm going to read a article by Eric Gopner. I think I pronounced that correctly. Gopner? Or yeah, I think uh, I'm not really good at reading when I'm intoxicated. And and I'm going to let you guys know that I had to kind of take a sippy sip in order to talk about this subject because it hits so close to home. So like I said, I'm going to link all the information down below from uh, Eric from Cato Institute. And it's called War State Trauma State Why Afghanistan Remains Stuck in Conflict. Conflict. And to give you guys a little bit uh, like kind of a background information about what what I'm going to be talking about to give you guys a little bit of like a foundation or you know if if not not many of you are 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 world you know when it comes to like worldly politics not even not many people are aware that there's still war going on in Afghanistan so so kind of give you guys kind of like a background information about where where what the articles is talking about so the Soviet-Afghan War started in 1979 to 1989 when the Soviet Union invaded in Afghanistan to stall the People's Democratic Party of Afghanistan. Soviet troops, along with the Allied Afghan Army, fought against rebel factions known as, known collectively as the Afghan Mujahideen. I think I pronounced that correctly, whose main backers were the Soviet Union's Cold War enemies, the United States, United Kingdom, and Pakistan. The Soviet Union was forced to withdraw its troop in 1989. Even when the Soviet Union was forced to withdraw, they were still financially backing the Afghan government, who was still fighting the rebels. The rebels. So this ended in 1992 with the fall of Kabul. The Afghan Civil War of 1989 to 1992, the Afghan Civil War of 1992 to 1996, the Afghan Civil War of 1996 to 2001, and the Afghan War of 2000 to present. Refugees from war-torn countries suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, major dis- depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, and this basically passes on to generations. A parent's emotional trauma can change their children's biology. I'm not going to get into like into that since I don't have all that information. I will make sure to invite an expert to talk about to talk about that, to come on the show to talk about all that good stuff. So uh it's just to give you guys a little bit kind of a background or like a foundation of what I'm I'm going to be what the article is talking about so you guys can kind of catch up to the times. So I'm not going to read every single thing. Uh, so like I said, I'm going to link it down below so you guys can, can follow along. Um, it's really good if you guys do that. And it starts, Afghans have endured 40 years of uninterrupted war. 
and there is no plausible argument that the war will soon end. In all the debate about troop surges or maintaining the status quo, status quo two critical questions rarely get asked. Why have Afghans, Af- Afghans have been at war for so long, and why can't the United States of, of the international community end it? Some of the obvious answers include an incompetent Afghan government and security force, rebel, uh, rebel sanctuaries in the mountains and in Pakistan, and the lucrative and illicit opium trade, almost entirely ignored. However, is the role played by decades of bone-jarring trauma experienced by Afghans. Afghanistan has become a trauma state, stuck in a vicious cycle. War causes trauma, which drives more war, which in turn causes more trauma, and so on. Thanks to 40 years of uninterrupted war, Afghans suffer from extremely high rate of post-traumatic stress disorder and other mental illnesses, substance abuse, and diminished impulse control. Research shows that those negative effects make people more violent towards each other. As a result, violence can become normalized as a legitimate means of problem-solving and goal achievement, and that appears to have fueled Afghanistan endless wars. Thus, Afghanistan will be difficult, if not impossible, to fix. Trauma at this level imposes profound limits on America's ability to affect enduring change in Afghanistan and other places. Accordingly, the United States should decrease its military footprint in the country and forces on efforts to incentivize a more effective and less corrupt Afghan government. More broadly, America should restrain its use of military force to those instances in which it is both effective and necessary. Since sustained war in already traumatized states such as as Afghanistan increases psychological damage and societal instability, making continued war more likely. That is so sad. Although it has become a common element of U.S. foreign policy, intervening with military force in another country's civil war is almost never necessary to secure U.S. interests. This is ex- exactly what happened in Cambodia. When the United States does not intervene, however, the population's mental health status should be inclined, included in military planning and intelligence estimated as a relevant factor affecting the war and the likelihood of future stability. So this is going to be like an introduction. The central thesis of this analyst is that 40 years of war have fundamentally changed Afghanistan's Afghans and made the country more prone to war in the future. A coup in 1978 un- unhurshed in a civil war fall immediately, followed immediately by the Soviet invasion. By the time the Soviet Union left in 1989, 7% to 9% of the Afghan population had been killed, with the death count rising to a staggering 1 in 5 for working ages male. Civil War resumed. Before the U.S. invasion in 2001, war in Afghanistan had already killed, wounded, or displaced half of the population. Then in late 2001, the United States invaded Afghanistan to destroy al-Qaeda and dislodged the Taliban and later continued fighting to stabilize the country and establish a democratic government. As of 2018, Afghan remained mired in war and the Taliban contest, influence, or control more territory than any any point since the American-initiated combat operations. U.S. efforts has been significant, yet Americans' objectives remain largely unmet. Since October 2001, more than 2,000 Americans have been killed in Afghanistan, an estimated financial cost of $840 billion. 41 other countries have also contributed to the war in varying degrees. I have no idea why we're still in Afghanistan. It doesn't really make any sense because we should spend that money here in the United States of America where we can help our own fucking people. I really don't understand the concept of war. And it's just a moneymaker. That's pretty much what it is. And every time we 
we vote in people that, I mean, it, it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, even if you're for Obama or even if you're for Bush, you're voting in these two establishment that really just enjoy and they love war because it makes the money. <sighs> yeah, really, really depressing. 17 years in, the United States remained torn between maintaining the status quo, surging military forces, or leaving the country altogether. The Trump administration has chosen to search forces, but regardless of the path pursued, Americans can expect continued civil war evolving the Taliban and other insurgent groups, as well as corrupt, illiberal, and largely incompetent Afghan government. An end to the violence will happen only after one group finally monopolized the use of force in cabal and a su sufficient a number of provinces outside the capital, but even there, there is much higher than average probability that the civil war will continue or resume. Unfortunately, neither the United States nor the international community can substantially approve Afghanistan's situation. Instead, the future of the country rests primarily in the hands of Afghans who, to date, have largely been incapable of or uninterested in fundamentally changing conditions on the ground. A large number of pol policies analysts suggest otherwise, that a substantial, su substantial and enduring U.S. presence was su sufficiently approved the situation. However, those an analysts Typically ignore two critical questions. Why have Af Afghans been at war for so long? And why have the United States and the international community ended the war after 16 years of trying? Uh, I, when we started to go into Afghanistan, so the evasion, and I still remember it. I was only 12 years old during that period of time. I'm not really sure. 2001? Yeah. I was only 13, 12, 13 around that period of time. And I remember... Um, they start deploying the troops to catch bin Laden. I really don't know why we went to Iraq anyways to kill Saddam Hussein. It doesn't really make any sense. But I'm not an expert in politics. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. So, so take what I'm reading and take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But we are there and we haven't done anything. We've been there for like 20 years already. And we haven't done anything. We're... It, we're a country is getting destroyed. And this is the same thing that would happen in Cambodia. After the United States, they left during the Vietnam War. Everything was destroyed. The Cambodian people don't really trust each other. Even when they came to the United States of America. And I had Melissa on. And you could just hear her talking about her family where um, her dad didn't really want to be around other Cambodians, which is really true. And that's what happened. Cambodians doesn't really trust each other till this day. And this is what happened when fucking war, civil war happens. So... I'm not trying to get really angry talking about this, but it really, really makes me fire up talking about it. So to continue with the article, the reason for Afghanistan's bleak future can be found in the answer to those two questions. Some of the more obvious explanations include the Afghan National Defense and Security Forces failed to stop the insurgency, the low opportunity cost and rebel recruitment, an insurgent sanctuary in the mountains and in Pakistan. Other likely causes include rebels motivated by, by grievances against their extremely corrupt government, as well as et ethno-linguistic fractalization between Pashtuns and others. And it says Tajiks use Uzbeks and Hazaras. Financial incentives, there you go, likely motive a number of insurgent groups to, as perpetual war preserve, perversely provides them an enduring income stream from the illicit opium trade that, that would otherwise be confined to traditional criminal elements if the conflict ended. So he goes on to more details and he talks about the Af Afghanistan's endless war and he tells a story about the U.S. military. They made a mistake one evening when they fire off an illumination round. 
uh, instead of safely falling to earth after jettisoning its contents, the medical castner sliced through the bodies of two children asleep inside. So shit like this are happening in Afghanistan. You know what I mean? Because it's just like the troops are fighting to the, and let's not even talk about Bin Laden. So Osama Bin Laden, uh, he was raised in Saudi Arabia and stuff like that. And so the reason why we went to uh, Afghanistan to begin with is because to go find Osama Bin Laden. And so not only this is adding to the fuel, but it's like a, a continued radicalization of the Afghan people. It's making everything worse. It's just a cycle. It's crazy, dude. Uh, so I don't, it just talking about them, talking about this makes me really sad. So grieving mothers, fathers, losing kids, wives, losing husbands. It's just, just, just constant every day. I cannot imagine a constant every single day of bullets and everything falling from the sky every single day and people getting shot at and, and killed people that, you know, people that you see every single day. And then all of a sudden it's just boom, they're gone. So it's really 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 sad so the article gets really deep so afghanistan the war state afghanistan 40 straight years of war provide ample support for both of the main theories of civil war and all their sub arguments data from those 40 years also support the argument that war begets trauma trauma also perpetrates war and the vicious cycle continues and i'm going to read that part again data for those 40 years also support the argument that a war begets trauma Trauma also perpetrates war and the vicious, vicious cycles continue. Opportunity for rebellion. The opportunity for rebellion has long been a feature of Afghan life. A strong federal government has proved elusive. The state security force has largely been non-existent, where present highly ineffective. Rebels do a safe haven in the extensive mountains and neighboring Pakistan, while Afghanistan enduring poverty reduces the cost of re- recruiting new rebels. Rebels. Ineffective or non-existent security forces. So they don't really even have protection to protect those poor innocent people. For the past century, Afghanistan has had an ineffective state security force with the possible exception of 1953 to 1963 during Mohammed Doout Khan's tenure as prime minister. The country's civil wars during the 20th century speak to the enduring incompetence of Afghan security forces. So not only that... The civil war is continued because of the fact that it's just incompetent. Uh, observers have char- characterized them as almost useless, tactically in, in hip, in disarray, and able to conduct only limited defenses operation. Today, since despite numbering more than 365,000, they barely control or influence half of the country's district. This in- incompetence in part motivated the Soviet Union to evade in 1979 and try to prop up the communist regime in Cabal. Today, security forces ineffectiveness keeps American advisors and trainers there after 16 years of trying to professionalize the Afghan force. Incompetent Afghan security forces also make the villagers' lives more difficult. At Shiraz I attended, the senior Afghan government leader presented gifts paid for by the American taxpayers to each of the elders in attendance. At slightly more than half of those Shiraz, I watched the elders politely refuse the gift. Initially, it seemed to make no sense. Even if the elders hated their government, why refuse a free prayer rug or Quran? Years earlier, Osama bin Laden had remained his followers of the value of trying to financially bankrupt their enemies. Sounds like the cancel culture today. Taking the gifts with no string to attach, it appears to be good, albeit small way to get back at America. And just and, and, and talk about Osama bin Laden again. He fucking hated the Americans. And he did till the day he died. So... 
it continues talking about the, you know, the infidel, talking about the American government and stuff like that. And it's just how they're suffering. It talked about like recruitment and stuff like that. And there's like graphs and stuff where um, it talked about the GPD and how in Afghanistan it's just like really down to the bottom. And so, you know, even in one instance, one of the elders talked to Eric and he said, we, we don't want any of your mercy. So when you really think about it, I mean, I mean, this elder probably lived, he's probably like 80 years old. I mean, can you imagine like 40 years of your life, half 40 years of peace, half 40 years of just pain and suffering? I'm just putting myself in that situation of those poor people. And like I said, I, I just can't imagine being in that situation. I mean, just being, an, if you're annoyed as is. So let's talk about these spoiled brats in America, for instance. You're annoyed about what you see on TV. It's really quiet in your area. I mean, of course, there's there's going to be people that live in the ghetto and stuff like that. But I'm, majority of Americans, we live in pretty much a quiet area. We have a bed to sleep on. We have food in our belly. We have social services and stuff like that to protect us. We have Medi-Cal. We have all these stuff that's given to us. And yet we're not happy. You know what I mean? We're, we're like the top fucking country, the richest country in the world. And yet we're still complaining. And look at these poor Afghan, Afghanistan people. The civilians have to deal with the incompetence of their government, having to deal with seeing, losing their children. I, can, I cannot imagine losing my child. And they're at the state of just, fuck it. I'm not going to do anything anymore. This is just not the life to live. And this is where, this is a lot of people, they always make the argument to me that, oh, well, you don't want a civil war because you're a pussy. No, it, because I don't want to deal with situations like this here in the United States of America because we're safe here. There's no war on our soil and I'm trying to prevent that. And it goes in deeper and it, it, it talks about like opium. A lot of, a lot of Afghanistan people are just ad addicted to drugs because they're, they're trying to, they're trying to hide that pain that they're going through. I really don't understand why, why Americans don't see this shit. That what are we doing in other countries and destroying other countries? I mean, of course, we're talking about like Chinese imperialism stuff. But why don't we talk about the fucking shit that we do in other countries? Because we don't deserve to be in those countries. We've been there for 20 years and it's doing absolutely nothing but destroying the country and splitting it in half. We got Osama bin Laden already. Why are we still there? You know what I mean? So, so continuing on with the article, Afghanistan, the trauma state. The discussion so far is common to the most to most civil wars, but to really understand Afghanistan Afghanistan's case, policymakers should consider the role of trauma. Afghans have endured four consecutive decades of bone jarring trauma that has changed them psychologically and physically. Those changes have ensured in harmful consequences, not just for the traumatized individuals, but for the population at large, would increase the likelihood that war will continue. The American, Psychiatric Association, the American Psychiatric Association defines a traumatic stressor as any event that may cause or threaten death, serious injury, or sexual violence to an individual, a close family, family member, or a close friend. The severest traumatic stressors include torture, rape, and war. Increased rates of trauma are associated with psychological and physical changes to individuals, which often profoundly affect them and those around them. Exposure to traumatic stress frequently results in mental disorders, especially post-traumatic stress disorder and major depressive disorder. Populations that have endured mass conflict, high rate of torture, and significant displacement to Afghanistan, Afghans have reported pre pre prevalence rate of 17% and 50% for 
post-traumatic stress disorder. That compares with the substantially lower estimate global rate of only 5%. Traumatic stresses also lead to physical changes. Changes. Exposure to trauma correlates with stunt growth by in key brain areas. These changes include low, lower hippocampal volume, decreased corpus calcium size, and diminished activity in basal ganglia. Such physical changes always result in lower IQ, reduced impulse control, difficulty paying attention, memory impairment, diminished capacity to reason, inability to plan, and poor problem-solving skills. Finally, traumatic events have more pernicious effects when the events occur during adolescence, so when they're little babies. Two generations have now come of age in an Afghan trauma state. Afghans have been and continue to be exposed to an extraordinary number of traumatic events, both in severity and frequency. Study indicates that on average, Afghan adults have experienced seven traumatic events, while Trojan have endured between 5.7 and 5 and 6.6. These events include being bombed or shelled during war, be, being physically beaten by members of armed groups, domestic abuse, forced displacement, and the death of a loved one. That compared with fewer than one of two events for European samples, one to three for U.S. adults, and an estimate of 1.8 in multi-country sample. With the regards of specific events, approximately 52% of Afghans, for example, report having experienced some form of violent assault compared with just 4% who live in developed European nations. These findings generally conform to the broader trauma literature that suggests conflict-afflicted poor countries are home to high rates of traumatic stressors and that our more traumatic stressors result in increased rates of post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. Trauma, mental illness, and other neg- negative outcomes. Mark, my young Afghan interpreter. So this is Eric talking about Mark, his interpreter. And I just finished another depressing meeting with the Afghan governor's office. Very officials have taken turns mocking and swearing at one another, making bizarre claims, and arriving at exactly zero decision. And so this is where he talks about how they cannot control the impulse which to just release that anger. Because they have nothing. They're in the state of nihilism. We are now walking to the 100 yards back to our compound. Mark's head hung down, typically a sign he was upset. I asked him what he made of the meeting, wanted to hear his insight into what was really going on. He, better than anyone, could make sense of dizzying, dizzying complexities of Afghan interacting, interacting with mother, one another. He replied, caught me off guard. We all have post-traumatic stress disorder. So this is Mark, Eric's interpreter. So Eric's is the writer. Don't listen to me or any other Afghan. We don't know what we're saying. We're all... All of this has made us crazy. So, and like I said, it's just reading this just really, really irritates the shit at me because when my parents fled Cambodia, the Cambodian Civil War, I, my mom and dad knew that they were going to pass the trauma onto their children because you have to remember that the Cambodian genocide, they were starved. They, they saw things that they didn't want to see. They experienced things that they didn't want to because my mom was only 12 years old. And my dad was in his 20s. And like I said, my dad was a was a fighter for the Khmer Rouge, and he was properly forced to do things that he didn't want to do, and that is to execute people if necessary. And my mom is the same way. She saw her great aunt and her great uncle, well, my great aunt and my my great uncle executed right in front of her. And to know that a child is going through this, and if you compare the situation, and and even this has happened in Rwanda and stuff like that when the civil war happened there in Africa. Same thing with Rwanda, same thing with the Armenian genocide, same thing with the Holocaust, because there was a study done, um, I believe, in back in, in, in Canada in like 1988. I don't have the information right in front of me, 
but those, I mean, the information or the sources right in front of me, but Holocaust survivors were 300% more likely to have a psychiatric referral, their grandchildren of the Holocaust survivors. So really think about this, guys. And when, I, when I'm talking about guys, I'm talking about the American people, because you're going around circles and talking about like a civil war. You're pouncing around. Oh, yeah. Fuck libtards. And then you have the, the, the fucking Antifa member with the far, the far left is, oh, fuck the Nazis, punch Nazis and stuff like that. So you're creating tension in this country. So really think about what you're saying, because you're wanting war on the soil of America of America. I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready when it comes time to it, because because you have to remember in a civil war, you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose family members. You're going to lose your kids. You're going to lose your brothers, your sisters, and you're going to do a lot of damage to your body. And this is coming from somebody who has experience. Sorry, I'm moving at the moment. (laughs) This is coming from somebody who has experience. So my sister, Ronan, and I, I'm going to have her on my podcast and we're going to be talking about this. We're the only one in the family that have post-traumatic stress disorder and major depressive disorder. And we have generalized disorder, major generalized anxiety disorder. I'm sorry, generalized anxiety disorder. So I'm I'm getting everything all mixed up. Don't drink before you do a podcast. And, um, you know, knowing me every single day, I get up and I feel like I'm at war every single day. And I had a, I have a good childhood. I mean, I didn't really, I mean, my parents were very authoritative. They kept us, they concealed us inside because they wanted to protect us from harm. And you can't really blame my parents. You know what I mean? They, they, they were, they're trying to hide us from harm of what they saw. I mean, they, they had to uproot themselves and remove themselves from Cambodia to the United States of America to protect their children. And so their two kids, their little ones, suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, major depressive disorder, and generalized anxiety disorder. So Renrin has some phobia. Renrin, my sister, she has phobias that she doesn't really want to talk about, but she'll come on the podcast and talk about it and be more open. But I'm the only one in my family that went to therapy. Think about that. And I was diagnosed with OCD, major depressive disorder. I think I think it was a major, major depressive disorder or clinical depression. Either way, I suffer from depression and generalized anxiety disorder. I was put on medication when I was 18 years old, trying to like to control. I was put on benzodiazepine, the same medication that Jordan Peterson was on. It was really addicting. I didn't really like it. Uh, and so I pretty much took myself off on it. I didn't take it and didn't, I didn't complete the doses, the monthly doses that was given to me. I shouldn't have done that, but I did. So, but I wake up every single day. I have white hair at 32 years old, guys, because of the amount of stress that I'm, I'm going through. And I have a very good life, actually. You know what I mean? Like, I have a loving husband. I have a cool kid. Even though, like, he's autistic, he gives me strength every single day. And he's such a cool kid. And I have such a good family. And I have a really good life. I have really good brothers and sisters and stuff like that. But I feel constantly, every single day, I'm very depressed. Because the fact that um, it was passed on to generation. And nobody think about this. And I got really angry at, at somebody the other day. Because another Cambodian who was encouraging, who was talking about the Civil War, willing to risk it all. And I was like, didn't you learn from our people having a civil war? It didn't end well, did it? The motherland, what we call Cambodia, it's destroyed. No Cambodians trust each other because everybody suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. Even their children, the generation, the older generation, the elders, they're gone. They're dead. Majority of the Cambodians today are young. 
all our past and stuff like that, er, traditions that we had are probably gone by now because of fucking Pol Pot. So it passed on to us. And then we brought that. And now it's passed on not only to me, but to our kids. I'm not really sure about Werner and her kids, but I'm not really sure about my sisters and their kids. I don't ask about that. I should. But you can see that in my son where he has anxiety and OCD. So it passed on to generations. It, it alters your genes. I really don't know the word for it. I, I'm looking at my notes. I don't know why I didn't write it, but I think it's called um, ep- epigent. Let me look that up. I wish I had a Jamie. So I think it was like it's transgenetical or something like that where it passed on and it really changes your biology of your children. So when the Americans talk about the Civil War, when they were like, oh man, let's have a civil war. Where are you guys going to have the civil war at, guys? In a fucking empty empty Walmart parking lot? An old Kmart parking lot? So stupid. This is where it's like we don't really understand how privileged we are as a society. Because everybody's miserable. I mean, of course, I get we have high mental illness and stuff like that. But when you really think about it, this is a high trauma trauma society let's not even think about the native americans let's not think about the african-american community they're traumatized too african-americans with their slavery native americans with the pretty much the imperialism of i mean the colonization of europeans so traumas pass on to their kids i i'm not really sure um i think there was a study done that it can be the cycle can stop and it can stop the growth of it I'm not growth of it, the um the changing or the transformation of it, it can stop with positive experience. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stop that with my line, my my bloodline. So if doing that with Jacob and trying to stop that, that that negative um uh, passing it on to, to my child, because I really don't want my son to live in that situation. I don't really want my son to to live in the state that I'm in. And now I have to be on, on medication. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real on that. Okay, because all my family members, they have addictive behavior. They have impulses and stuff like that. Like my brother drinks, my sister smokes and stuff like that. Because we're trying to contain the stress that we have. We can't deal with stress as, as good as everybody else. And it's what was passed on. So to understand what that, and I, I, I think there was a study done to test out Cambodians. And not just Cambodians. We're talking about the people in Laos. We're talking about the Hmong people. We're talking about the Vietnamese and the Thais during the Vietnam War and, and the trauma that they see. That's passed on to generations. So there should be a huge study that should be, I, I think it's being done at the moment, that, that will follow these family members and, and what they deal with. Because that's some fucked up shit when you really think about it, because it's the cycle. We're trying to stop the cycle. And I think um, there was a YouTuber named Pari Exo. Um, he's Vietnamese, by the way. His parents escaped Vietnam as well during the period of time, as same as my family. And he said that the United States of America is a, it's just a society or a population of traumatic people people who have post-traumatic stress disorder so he made a good argument and I didn't really think about it until I came across this article and this study that's being done uh, especially with myself and so they did a study of Cambodians and stuff like that and their children suffer from trauma as well and you you cannot be like even the holocaust even the grandchildren even the Jewish people the Jewish community you know can you imagine the trauma that they're going through and with their parents I mean their grandparents their great-great-grandparents so I mean, I, I, I really don't understand what the Americans talk about civil war, especially when, when, when there's history right in front of us. 
the history books is right in the front of us. Why are you guys not reading it? Why are why are you guys are not educating yourself about civil war and what it can do to a fucking country? Look at Afghanistan. They're done. They're destroyed. I'm I'm not really sure. I, I don't want I don't want to sound like pessimistic or anything like that, but it doesn't look optimistic. And if you go to to watch documentaries about Afghanistan and stuff like that, I mean, little girls are getting raped, boys getting raped. Just a vicious cycle of trauma just passing and then like they, they, they're they stuck in that cycle. I mean, here in America, if you're stuck in a situation, you have the opportunity to release yourself or detach yourself from the situation. In Afghanistan, they're stuck in that cycle. And I'm giving the opportunity to stop that cycle. So all these screaming about American Civil really, guys, really fucking think about what you're saying. And I, I, I hate to sound really negative, but I'm so sick of the pain and suffering because I feel it and I don't want anybody to go through what I go through every single day because it fucking hurts every single day to have to diagnose with post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, I haven't even been in war, but I feel like I'm in war every single day because my parents experienced this shit and I'm living their pain. So really think about your civil war rants, your boogaloos and shit like that. Really fucking think about it. And if I have to like fucking slap you and kind of open your eyes a little bit more, maybe it'll help you. And the and especially Cambodians. When I hear the Cambodian t- community talk about the civil war, are you fucking out of your mind? <laughs> what is that? Are you chikut or something? You know what I mean? Like, wake the fuck up. Really focus about what you're saying. Really think about what you're saying because the civil war is not like what you see in fucking TV. Because you're going to lose everything. For who? For what? So be prepared to lose your house. Be prepared to have nothing. And lose your family members. I mean, majority of Americans can barely fucking exercise and without dying. You can barely run a mile without losing your breath. And who the fuck are you to talk about civil war? And I hate to sound angry. Because I really don't want to be angry. I don't want to be in that space. Because it's a new year, new me. But really think about what you're saying. And I know you're angry about Donald Trump. I know you're angry about Biden. I get it. Open your fucking eyes a little bit. Because we're continuing that process of trauma. Do you want to be a part of it? Because I don't. I want to stop that cycle. So negotiate to the other side. I don't give a fucking... I don't give a shit. Because the United States of America is where we are much freer than other countries. Sure, everything is not perfect or anything like that. I mean, there are things that we can fix. There are also things we can negotiate. This is why a lot of people flee to this country, flee to Western countries. And we don't want to, I feel like they don't want to work anymore. They don't want to work together. What? I, I don't want to, I don't want to work with that person. I don't want to work with the leftist. I don't want to work with a right wing person. How about both of y'all mind your own fucking business? Hmm? Do that. And it it just really amazes me how people are just so close-minded and they don't really think about what they're saying sometimes. And I I, I just don't get it. You know, it's coming from a person, a a family, a a first-generation-born immigrant. Not, I'm sorry, not a first-generation-born immigrant. I was born here. But parents who were immigrants from another country, refugees. And I'm not the only one. I'm pretty sure there's other Cambodians out there who have depression, who have anxiety like me. 
but we're just not documented. Okay, so I, I'm even talking about I'm I'm even talking about Holocaust survivors and their grandbabies. I'm even talking about Armenians and their grandbabies, because you know what happened with the Armenian genocide, even Rwanda. Okay. Even the Laos, the Hmong, the Vietnamese and Thais and stuff like that. It passed on to generations. Even the Native Americans and especially the African Americans here in the United States of America. Because this trauma passed on. So really think about what you say. Really think about it. Because if you're not prepared to lose everything, then then be quiet. Zip it with that Civil War talk. It's just really they're like these fucking loppers. They think it's going to be like Call of Duty or something like that. It's really fucking stupid. So... I did not finish this article, and but it goes on and it talks about, you know, experience. Um, the Afghanistan people experience high rates of domestic violence and human rights organizations such as the UN. They talk about like the physical abuse of Afghan women are desperate, women's rights and stuff like that. It's really, really screwed up. So Eric does a really good job. And he even has a, uh, there's a figure that that pretty much lines and it talks about trauma leads to mental disorder substance abuse diminished impulse control and then it just leads to more violence lower threshold for the lead to fourth and then it just rebel kills government security forces and then the civil war and the cycle continues and that's what's happening in the united states we are in the more violence uh, lower thres- threshold for lethal forces so we're in we're being impulsive and it's going to possibly lead to a civil war so i really hope that we really think about what we say and um like i said i'm gonna link this article down below so you guys can read it yourself um i didn't really finish it it's, it's a really long article by the way so i'm not gonna break that down in this podcast episode but i really want to say that as a child of a refugee parent a Kipolin parent's it's really fucked up. Every single day I wake up with pain in my back. Like I literally feel like I'm at war every single day. Even though I'm safe at home. I have a husband to protect me. I have a job. I have everything's all secure. But at the same time I don't feel secure. Because it, it's just. This is what happens when your parents witness a genocide. And li- live under a dictatorship. And um. I, I don't think people really understand that concept, especially Americans, because they're fucking brats. Privileged brats, mind you. So really think about it, guys. What you're trying to say when you say, oh, well, it's a civil war, blah, blah, blah. Go live in the mountains. Go move to another fucking country. Do something. You know what I mean? Try to avoid this as much as possible. And it, it's just, it really blows my mind. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And remember, guys, the Far Out Wisdom is available in all podcast players. It's available on Pandora. It's available on iTunes. Pretty much every every podcast player has it. So uh, subscribe to Foul. Make sure that you guys share this podcast episode to people who are like, Civil War, fuck yeah. Like it's, like it's just the movies. Fucking Americans and their obnoxious view on in reality. Can't really accept reality. So Please share, like this episode, and give it a heart and comment down below. And as always, guys, stay far out.